morning. Amen. I'll do my very best not to keep you very long. I just want to get you the Word of God, and hopefully God will do something great in your heart and your mind this morning. Amen. Whatever you do, always try to make sure you're doing it for, you understand that there's a reason for doing what you're doing. And always try to make sure that you come away from what you're doing with something. When you come to church, come away with something. You went through waking up, brushing your teeth, I hope. (laughs) Getting dressed, driving out. Coming in here, don't leave out and just with nothing. That that would be wasted time. That would be wasted effort. You don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your effort. Your time is worth a whole lot more than being wasted. Your effort is worth a whole lot more than being wasted. So don't waste it. Um, let the Let the time and the effort count for something. And so understand that you're here because the Lord Jesus Christ wanted you to be here. Let me also say this before I get right into the Word of God. Thursday, I'm going to start a series. I'm going to be teaching probably, I would think, maybe about um, maybe four Thursdays. I will teach this series on this topic, understanding who God is. Sounds simple, and I know many of you think you kind of know who God is already. But I'm going to teach about God from before the beginning. Because here's the truth. God always existed. Where did God come from? Nowhere. Well, how did he come about? He just always existed. So before we were created and before this world was created, what was God doing? How did he exist? And how did he get to the point where he is today with creating us and creating this world and All of these questions that I don't know how many of us have asked those questions, but I am going to be teaching on Thursdays for the next four weeks about understanding who God really is. It's phenomenal. Matthew chapter 16. We'll start in verse 13. Hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord? Are you going to praise the Lord with me today? Or are you going to worship the Lord with me today? Listen, I'm going to mess with you. You go to a basketball game, you go to a hockey game, go to track and field, go and watch your little baby or your baby girl, your baby boy do something fantastic in a play or whatever. We participate. I need you to participate with me. I want you to understand that God is behind everything that will transpire for the next few moments as the word of God is being preaching. As as the word of God is being preached, God is behind everything. So whenever you hear something, if you want to shout, shout. If you want to just dance, dance. If you want to give the Lord praise and honor, just Lord, I give you honor and praise. Because what happens is a lot of times is God is present here right now. God is present everywhere all at once. And a lot of times we want to sense his spirit. We want to say, well, God, show me. Well, God don't have to show you because you don't dictate and control God's terms. So God don't have to show you, but just understand he already say, I am. And he's already present. A lot of times what's missing is us responding to his presence. 
So God is present right now. I can respond to him by saying, Lord Jesus, I know you're here and I give you the honor and the praise and my honor and praise to him. Just allow him and make him begin to move on me and get on me closer and make me begin to feel his presence like I've never felt it because I responded by faith knowing he's already here. God sees everything and he knows everything. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do that God don't know. You can't hide any place that God can't see you. So the best thing to do is just to just say, you know what? All right. He's here and I know he's here and, and, and let me get his attention. We've got an example of one getting his attention. Remember Nicodemus? Mm-hmm. Not Nicodemus. Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus got his attention. Zacchaeus heard that he was in the vicinity, and Zacchaeus says, I got to get his attention because I want to see him. And Zacchaeus ran because he was a short man of stature, ran up into a sycamore tree, and climbed out on the limb so he can see Jesus. And when Jesus saw that Zacchaeus put all that effort into seeing him, Jesus stopped. Yo, dude, you wanted to see me, huh? It's okay. I got, yes, come on down. And he says, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house that day. Jesus can come in your heart today, but you get his attention. Because he's already said in his word, I'm here and I know everything and I'm present. Matthew chapter 16. Verse number 13, the scripture reads, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, somebody say disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Jesus asked the question. His disciples responded by saying, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus said, but whom say ye that I am? It got quiet. And then finally, this dude named Simon Peter, one of his disciples said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Somebody say, my church. Not your church, but his church. Oh, God, help us. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, allow me to speak as your oracle. Allow me to be in the flow of the Spirit this morning that, Lord, I can speak what thus saith the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord will help me to articulate the Word of God. I pray that you will touch the hearing of the hearers this morning and touch the heart 
of the hearers this morning that the word will be transmitted. The word will be imparted. The power of God will overshadow them. Lord, I pray and ask that none that will open up themselves to you will leave empty. That none will walk out of here without a change, without a touch, without you, God, revealing yourself to them. I pray this morning in the name of Jesus uh, that the glory of the Lord will be revealed uh, and that our life will never be the same again. Uh, Lord, we have questions, but we know you have all the answers. Uh, As you speak the answers to us, uh, allow us to hold on to them uh, and become doers of the word of God according to what thus saith the Lord. We give you the honor and the praise uh, in all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today I want to talk to you on this topic. God is building himself a church. God is building himself a church. You read it where Jesus said, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is letting us know that he's building his church. It's not the pastor's church. It's not society's church. It's not a church where you do what you want because it's his church. Nobody can come in your house and tell you what you should do in your house. Nobody can come in your car and tell you to do what they want you to do in your car. Nobody can come in your life and tell them what to do with your life unless you give them permission. His church. And so God is building himself a church. By Jesus' own inquiry, he wanted to know what people were saying about him and who did they think he was. Now remember, we'll get into the whole who was Jesus and he wanted to know what everybody was saying and he wanted them to, he wanted to find out who they thought he was because it was important to the Lord that people knew who he was. Hmm. So he asked them, what do they, what are they saying about me? What are they saying? He wanted to make sure his own disciples knew him. So he says, all right, now that I ask you what are they saying, I'm going to ask you, what are you saying about me? Do you know who I am? Now we're talking about disciples that are walking with him every day. Not disciple like us that's, well, I won't touch that. But they were walking with him every day. And finally one day Jesus turned around and says, who are the people saying that I am? And they was explaining. Then he turned to them and said, well, hold on. Who do you think I am? They answered when he asked them about who do the people say he is. They answered and said, well, some said, you know, you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. Or Elijah. And others say, you're like one of the prophets, Jeremiah. So he listened to that. He said, yeah, okay, I hear what they're saying. And basically, if I can just speak for Jesus just for a second, I'm sure he's probably saying, yeah, it doesn't matter what they think right now. 
I want to know what you think about me. And for everybody that's following Christ, he wants to know what you think about him. Are you the Christ? We need to find out. Hmm. Are you a disciple of Christ this morning? Do you know who he really is? Have you really tried to find out who is Jesus Christ? Everyone who followed Jesus and are following him may not really know him. They just may have read or heard about what he can do for them. And so they started following him. We've read in the, in the scriptures where people had followed Jesus because of what he did, miracles. And still today we have people following Jesus because of what he can do for us. And believe me, God wants to do great things for us. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us good health and strength. God wants us to go to heaven. God wants us to live a blessed life. But that's not the only reason why God wants us to follow him. But many people have followed Jesus over the years because of what he can do for them. Can I tell you this? If you follow Jesus, if you get into a relationship with Jesus Christ just because of what he can do for you, it won't last. After a while, you will make a detour. Mm -hmm. We can't just follow him because of what he can do. Is he going to do some great things for us when we follow him? Absolutely, yes. But should we just follow him for those things? Which one of you would feel great knowing people were only your friend or hanging out with you just because of what you can do for them, but they weren't really interested in you? Which one of us in here today? Oh, I don't care if they follow me just because of what I can do. They can follow me. I don't think many of us will feel good about that. That people are only in our life because of what we can do for them. I don't think many of us would like that. Well, ask yourself today, are you trying to get into the life of Christ? Are you, are you trying to go to church and are you trying to do the little things here and there, giving God little trinkets because you know what he can do for you? Or is it something else? So Jesus asked them, who did they say he was? And they were quiet for a while because they weren't sure. These were people that walked with him. They weren't sure. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Peter blurted out, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Finally, someone said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he said that, Jesus responded and said, Blessed art thou, Simon, talking about Peter Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So it got revealed unto Peter, not by his intellect. It got revealed unto Peter, not because he was smart and he studied the word of God real good. And we need to be smart and we need to study the word of God real good. But Peter received that understanding, not by flesh and blood, not by his intellect, not by someone else. He received that revelation from God.
God himself of who Jesus really is. Let me tell you something. God wants to reveal to us if we desire for him to reveal. There's things God wants to show you. There's things that God wants to reveal to you. There's explanation that God wants to give to you. But do we desire it? Or we just don't care? All we want God to do is bless us. All we want God to do is help us. All we want God to do is provide for us. And God wants to tell you this morning, yes, he will provide. Yes, he will protect you. Yes, he will bless you. But God wants to show you deep things about him. God wants to show you things about him that only he could show you. He just don't want you to have a surface relationship with him. He wants you to have a real relationship with him. That's what he wants. We will explore the word of God to show you the lengths that God went through just to have relationship with you. The things that he did to let you have relationship with him. Because you couldn't have relationship with God before he created. We'll talk about that on Thursday. If all we want to know about God is how how he can get us out of this. And how he can get us out of that. And how he can bless us. And how he can help us. And how he can heal us. If that's all we're interested in. We will never understand the deep things of God. We will never have real intimate relationship with God. When he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto you. That word reveal or revelation, it means to take off the cover. It means there's a lot of things about God we don't know because it seems like there's a cover on it to us. We we can't perceive the things of God the way we need to perceive them. We can't understand them the way we need to because it takes a revelation from God for us to understand them. Oh yes, God will talk to us and give us understanding about some things, but For us to continue in deep relationship. For us to know Him and understand Him. For us to continue in our walk with Him. We're going to have to receive revelation from Him. And there is nobody that God won't reveal things to. None of us are better than any of us. And so God won't show you stuff or show me stuff, but he won't show that. No, 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 no. If you desire to know God, if you desire to understand God, if you desire to get in deep relationship with God, he will begin to remove the cover. He will begin to disclose things to you so you can know him. Except the Lord reveal things to us, we will be lost. Acts chapter 28, verse 26 says, saying, this is the word of God. Acts 28, verse 26 said, saying, go unto this people and say, listen to this, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see and not perceive. There are many people that are going to church today that are hearing Uh, and shall not understand 
and they're seeing, but they still can't perceive what they're seeing. And a lot of times we hear or we see, and when we don't have the clear understanding from God, guess what we do? We make up our own stuff, and we put things together to suit our own beliefs. And that's how we go sideways, because God wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal things to us, but we just want what we want, and we can't stop to say, God, here I am. Will you reveal things to me? Will you speak to me? God, here I am. I want to know the deep things about you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 says, But I certify you, brethren, this is the Apostle Paul writing this, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The greatest apostle, because he wrote more than any other other apostles, the apostle Paul said that this word that I'm writing and preaching to you, it didn't come by man's intellect, but it came because God revealed it to me. I pursued him, and I said, God, I want to understand you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know the things that have bring me closer to you. And as I pursued him, he began to reveal things to me that may have not been revealed to others. Not because he's trying to be a respected person, but all he wants to do is reveal things to those that want to know. Do you want to know more about God? Galatians chapter 1, same chapter, verse 15, verse 15 and 16. But when it pleased God who separated me, Apostle Paul talking again, from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Can I just stop there just to say... When we read the Bible, we have to realize that God doesn't treat any one of us any more special. That God's law is his law for all of us, not for some of us. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because the Apostle Paul wrote this. But when it pleased God, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Guess what? Take the Apostle Paul out of it and you now make it personal and say, but when it pleased God who separated me, you, from your mother's womb and called you into his grace. God separated you before you was even born. God was calling you into his grace. God was calling you into relationship with him. It's not just Paul. It's not just Peter. It's not just the disciples. But God was calling you from the day you came out of your mother's womb. He called you. Mm -hmm. And so you're here this morning because God wanted you to know that. He wants you to know how special you are to him. What the Bible says, you are the apple of his Yes. And so he wants you to know that. Verse 16 says, to reveal his son in me. So the Apostle Paul says, help me Jesus. The Apostle Paul is saying, God separated me, you, from your mother's womb and called you into his grace. For what purpose? To reveal his son Who is the son? Jesus Christ. To reveal his son that you might preach him among the heathens. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Apostle Paul is no different from you. He might reach more people than you, but he's no different than you. 
God called you from your mother's womb into his grace. He separated you from the day you was in the womb and he called you to do what? To reveal his son. How would you reveal the man Christ Jesus to people? By preaching to them or just by telling them. Preaching don't always mean a lively, you know, invocation of who God is. It could just mean a nice little talk. Doesn't matter how you do it. It's just, just do it. He called. He revealed. He wanted to reveal who Jesus Christ is. So he called Paul and you and me to reveal who Jesus is to this world. God wants to reveal things to us, but we must be interested in them. What they say, old time folks. One day I'm going to say that when I, if the Lord tell, I'm going to be like 80 talking about old time folks. Somebody going to look at me and says, "What are you?" Because <laughs> I keep saying that. I don't know why I keep saying that. But you know, saying that since I was a kid. But they used to say when I was growing up, "Easy come." Hmm. You wonder why some of us don't have some of the things of God yet. Because if he just give it to you, you're not going to treat it with reverence. If he just give it to you, it won't really matter. You know, oh yeah, it's just the way it is. It won't really matter. But if you had to seek him, if you, if, if you had a desire, a passion for knowing him, then when he revealed things to you, you're going to treat it like it's golden. You're going, oh God, this is so wonderful. I appreciate this. But if he just revealed things to you without you even asking and wanting to know, you're like, yeah, yeah, God, talk to me. Yeah, God, talk to me. God is especially wanting to reveal himself to us. Do we really know who Jesus is? Do we really know who he is? He's building a church. He's building a church. And we need to know who he is. Matthew 16, verse 18, the same scripture that we started out in verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who will build his church upon the rock? The word build means he is the architect. He is the designer and the one who will construct and put together the church. You know what that means? It means we don't have a say in it either. We allow him to be the one that will bring us in and and put us in the place where we need to be or we'll be left out. We want to make the church this thing where, oh, you know, that's just the church. We can go in and we can act how we want. We can do how we want. And God is saying, are you the architect of the church? Are you the builder of the church? Are you the one that will construct the church? Are you the one that designed the church. No, it's me and I determine where you go in the church, who you are in the church, and how you will be in the church. Jesus Christ is the one that determines who we are, what we are, and what we ought to do, and no one else, not even you. Not even you. Nobody is coming in your house to tell you what to do. Nobody. You will not let anybody come in your house and tell you what to do. That's your house. Why would God be any different? Why would God be any different? Listen, understand 
Oh, man, God. We can't compare ourselves to God, but sometimes just to get you to understand just a little bit, a tad bit, I, I try to give you these examples, but God is so unique and different. But just understand this. You love your children to death, but that don't mean you let them do whatever they want. You love them to death. They're the apple of your eye. But that doesn't mean you let them do whatever they want. Somehow, we have become comfortable in thinking God loved me so much. God died for me. He went to the cross for me. God loves me. I'm the apple of his eye. I can do this and I can do that. What kind of parent would he be to let his children do whatever they want and destroy themselves? Because if you do what you want, you're going to destroy yourself. But if you do what God says, you will have eternal life. God is building a church. Jesus will build his church upon the rock. That's what he says, and upon this rock. There's a lot of discussion about that rock. What does the rock mean? And some people say the rock meant Peter. That's why, I'm not going to call any specific denomination, but that's why some churches have... Um, uh, they have started to make Peter this really important piece of their church because they thought it was Peter that the church was built upon. Peter is a man like you and like me if you're a man, and he don't have the ability to keep the church together. Uh, no, he can't. He can't. So as much as he was a great man of God, I mean, he loved Jesus. He preached on the day of Pentecost. He was this wonderful Christian man, but he's not capable of keeping the church together. So when he says upon this rock, the rock wasn't talking about Peter. The rock wasn't talking about a literal rock. He said, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. You know what he said? Upon the revelation you have just received, Peter, I will build my church. Upon that revelation that you just got from the Father, that's how I'm going to build my church. What does that mean to you? It means when you get the revelation of who God is, it will cause you to do what you need to do. And God will make you a part of his church. Nobody could be a part of his church and stay a part of his church without the revelation of who he is. I'm going to mess with something real quick before I finish up here because I'm going to finish in a second. This is what I know about God. Wherever you are in your understanding of God, nothing wrong with that. Don't let this get you off track. But where you are, there's more for you. Everybody has some place, some knowledge of God and where you are, God is going to help you. He will talk to you. He will encourage you. He will do whatever he has to do to help you move along. Wherever you are, there's not, that's not where God wants you to be. He's got more plans for you. If you he's got so many just great plans for your life that, that just give him a chance and listen out for him. So wherever you are, there's more for you that God has. And so, 
you're in a place in your relationship where you say, well, I understand who God is. I get you. I get you. I get you. But this is what I'm going to tell you. Peter says to Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What did that mean when Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God? You know what it meant? Peter was saying, thou art the Messiah, the one that was prophesied to come, the one who would come and die for our sins. Thou art God manifest as man. Listen to me. If you fight that, you're going to have a hard time making it to heaven. That the almighty God who consumes all space and time has no beginning, has no ending, became a human being. He wasn't separate when he became a human being. It wasn't Jesus, then God. Jesus Christ was and is God manifested. Yeah, that's tough for you. I was sitting with, in one of my classes, a, a scientific man of God. He's one of the instructor at the college where I was, but science is his major. This dude is so brilliant, it's out of control. But there's a text where Jesus said, and he made himself lower than angels. He became man, just like you and me. If we try to change God's word around, it said he became man just like you and me. What does that really mean? Does God lie? So how can he say he become man and we still try to dress it up to make it something else? If he said he became man, he became man. And so when I sat with this scientist as he instructed us in his class, he started talking about science and how humans are born. And if you think about how Jesus Christ was born to become man, he had to be man. But the spirit of God that's present everywhere was wrapped up in that man. All right. Because of some smart people here, let me t tell you this way. We all have 46 chromosomes, right? 46 chromosomes. 23, that comes from the man. I got you. You're a different case. Uh -huh. we, we know that too. He, he ran that down too. Because, listen, trust me. Uh, I don't know if I'm a scientist now or what, but I said this man. But, but 26 chromosomes from your mother. 26, I'm sorry, 23 chromosomes from your mother and 23 from your father. So Mary was the 23 chromosomes. In understanding how God became human, God, who is invisible, unseen, encompasses all place, all time, and space, became 23 chromosomes. 
You have no idea what God went through so you can understand who he is. He became chromosome. And so when both 23 and 23 met inside the woman, y'all know the zygote started and all this stuff started happening. That's God. And you're saying, how? That's because you need to know some more about your God. When you say, how is that possible? Oh, if you will go to him and say, God, how is that possible? Jesus and God is not separate. He is not. When he says the son of God, he's not meaning that, you know, there's God and then there's the son. No, no. What he's saying, God became a son. Mary's son. His stepfather, Joseph. He became a son. And so we have God manifesting, going through the whole process of, 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 of what uh, every child that is born went through in the womb. And he grew, gestation, and he became a physical human being. But the difference was those 23 chromosomes from the father was a part of the process. Who was the father? So God became a human. Little Mary was mixed in, but his dominant nature was those 23 chromosomes that came together with the other 23. You all quiet. Because I'm trying to explain to you that God wants us to know him that intimately. And for a long time, we think that science interfere with the Bible. No, the Bible confirm science. You can think all you want. Oh, you know, I'm a, the way my mind works as a science person, I don't know. That's going to be different according to the word of God. Are you kidding me? You think the almighty God didn't consider everything before he created God wants us to know him. We'll be studying that. Come back Thursday and the next Thursday. We'll study because I, I, I know I opened up a can of worms for you. It's okay. It's okay. All I'm trying to tell you is God wants you to know him more than you know him. And God manifested himself because you can't see a spirit. Right. You can't have relationship with a spirit. You can't be intimate as far as your communication and, and, and how you experience the presence of the Spirit in, in, in a right way. You can't do it. Like things can only have relationship with like things. You could have never had a relationship with God if he wasn't like you. As a matter of fact, God is so sharp. He said, I created man in my image. When he created man in his image, when he was saying that, he wasn't yet... Revealed. He said, I created man in my image. Okay, that was in Genesis. He never revealed himself yet. So what he's telling you is, the plan is already laid out. What you all will be, that's what I will become when I come on the scene. That's what he was saying. He was saying, I know how we're going to have a relationship. And the only way we're going to have a relationship, we have to be like-minded. We have to be, and we have to be the same. We have to be similar. And in order for us to have relationship, we got to be similar. And so he says, I'm going to create you this way. If you ever understood the complication of the body, 
man, one of the things the, uh, the instructor said about, you know, your genes, like, you know, all these different genes that are in us. He says there are some genes that get turned on in your body and turned off never to act up ever again in your body. It just did one thing and that was it. Done. How does that work? You think, why do you think that got designed where a gene can just do its part in your body, get shut off, and never get activated in your body ever again for as long as you live? How does that work? Who did that? <laughs> Let me just move on from this point and say this. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. This is where we get the Godhead from. When you read in the Bible and it says the Godhead, what it's telling you is the Godhead is in Jesus. Whereas you and I, when we receive the Holy Spirit in us, we have a measure of the Spirit. We don't have the Godhead in us. That's what makes us a little bit different from Him, even though we're created in His image. The Godhead. What does that mean, preacher? The Godhead is in Him. It means all the fullness of God was still in Jesus Christ. And so He was still able to be a man and be on location, but still be present in all the world, all of space, under the world. He was still able to be all present everywhere, knowing everything, even though He was walking as a man uh, let me move on from there what I'm trying to tell you is if you will start to know those things and get to know the deep things of God it will begin to change your life we we, we we're, we're, we're sometimes we want to say to ourselves why aren't why am I not growing a little bit more in God? Why am I not? Why aren't things different for me? Why I just feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over? And the answer to that question is you need to consistently seek to know more about God. The more you know about God, the more your life changes. For some of you nice Christians that's been living for the Lord for a while, when you first started going to church and Two or three years after going to church, did you see a difference in your life? Right? You started going to church, and things are going, and you're like, okay, okay. And then two or three years down the line, you were able to look back and look back at when you first started going to church, and you were able to see, oh, yeah, there's a difference here in my life. Why? Because you started knowing more. You was able to understand more about God. The missing factor in our life is revelation. When you get revelation from God, it causes you to behave differently. We think the way to, do, to, 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 to behave differently is when God blesses us. Oh, help me somebody. We think the best way how this works is when God do something for us. Oh God, you're so, listen, I've watched us and I've read scripture. The more God blesses us sometimes, it seems like it's the less we give him honor, it's the less we give him praise. If, 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 if blessings were the thing that made us get closer to God and know God more, every time I come to church, we all will be praising God like we're crazy. We all will be running around here like we're crazy. We all will be shouting like we're crazy. If it's the blessings that make us uh, praise God, we will be losing it. Because we're all blessed. And if you want to doubt it, go to China. You cannot worship God outwardly in China right now. You cannot read your Bible outwardly in China right now. So if you want to know how blessed you are, just go to China right now. 
And you will say, let me get back to my country. Because I can't do that here. You are blessed. But blessing is not what draw us to God. And I think that's what we've been waiting on. God, if you're really God, will you do this? God, if you're really God, will you draw me? God, if you're really God, will you do this? And God is saying, I can do it, but it won't change you. It won't get you moving in the direction that I need you to go in. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reveal myself to you. Because the deeper you get to know me, the more you will say, I got to get my life together. The more you get to know God, the more you commit your ways to Him. The more you get to know God, the more other things don't matter. I'm telling you, you heard me said it many times over, that if I get rich today, my life can't change if I keep living for God. How would my life change? It doesn't. Because really and truly, when you get to know God, nothing really matters more than him. Yes, loving him. Yes, taking care of your family. Those things matter. But, 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 but you will know that it's him do we live and move and have our being. It's him that caused the breath to keep on moving in my body. It's him that gives me understanding. It's him that protects me every day. It's him that blesses me. It's him that provides for me. And if he's in control of everything in my life, why would I let anything else get in my way? It's all about him. And so if I know that, what will change if I get a lot of money? Nothing should really change because the money's not worth more than him. As a matter of fact, he was the one that caused the money to come my way. And so it's revelation from God that changes your life. As long as you stay where you are and wait for God to do something, your life will never change. But if you start seeking God and praying and say, God, I need to know you. I need to understand you. Lord, let me tell you, maybe these days this, this is something I will encourage you to do. Maybe asking God more questions will change your life more than you praying and telling God what you want. God, will you do this? God, will you do that? And, uh, and God is saying, don't worry about all that. Will you just seek after me? Because when you seek after me, I will reveal things to you that you wouldn't have never known. And when I reveal them to you, I will give you the wisdom and the knowledge on what you need to do. Because there are a lot of things you can do that I don't need to do. But you will never know it until I reveal it to you. God wants to reveal more things to you. Tell your neighbor, God wants to reveal some things to you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Listen. When when we receive the revelation, it makes us submit to God's authority. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Man, I don't have enough time. This should be a two part. This should be a two part. So listen. I remember for years, you know, you would think the Bible says God hates sin. And so we run around like, oh my goodness, sin, sin. I don't want to, I don't want to sin. And, and we're fearful of sinning because we feel like God is going to strike us down when we sin. Well, I learned something about that. God do hate sin and God don't approve of sin. But here's what I love about that. 
If you go to God and talk to him about it, you know what he'll tell you? Sin only hurts and destroys you. It doesn't do anything to me. So my issue now, how I look at my life is, Lord, I I can't do that because it's only going to come back to me. It has nothing to do with God. You know, God already know everything. So we're acting like he didn't know we was going to do wrong over there. We weren't going to do. He already knew everything you were going to do in your life. So you're not surprising him and he's not getting angry. Let me strike you down. That's not the God we serve. No, he said not to sin because what he's saying is every time you do something, it ruins you. It gets in your way of being sensitive to me, of understanding me. So when I'm revealing things to you, you can't even fathom them because you've done so many things that separate your understanding. You have done so many things that cover up and you can't get revelation. So sin don't have nothing to do with, oh my God, God is going to get on my case. God is saying, sister, no, I'm not getting on your case. I love you. And I want the best for you. The problem is, when you do that, you're hurting yourself. And if you keep doing it, it's going to separate you from me permanently. And I didn't do it. You did it. God don't God God will God is not sending anybody to hell. He's not. He loves you too much. And for everybody that ends up there, he loves every one of them, but they work their way there. He is telling us, trust in me, seek me, love me. I got you. But when we decide to go our own way, it's us doing our own thing and we're hurting ourselves. God is not standing here trying to beat you because you sinned. <laughs> no, that's not what he's doing. The sin will find you out. It will hurt you. It will cause you problems. It will cause you issues. Not God. For too long, people have been looking like God, like he's this big old God. You better not do wrong. Because if you do, I'm going to beat you. That's not our God. No. And so when you come, when you get the revelation of who he is, you would submit to his authority. You, you, you will begin to love people and, and you will begin to govern your life in a certain way because you're trying to do your best to be in right relationship with him because he revealed to himself. What he's saying is, I can't have the right relationship with you if you put things between me and you. Who can have a good relationship with someone when there's things between you two? This is why when there's things between the two of you, you got to work it out. You don't want things to be between you. Because when things are between you, you can't have a good relationship. Got to get that, get that thing out of there. And it's the same thing with God. Whatever it is that's in between you and him, get that thing out of there. So you can have right relationship because it will only hurt you, not God. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God is building himself a church. Jesus himself is building a church. 
He's building the church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Here we go. We're, we're finishing up here. What's, what's, what's that word church mean? It means ecclesia, right? A called out people who are dedicated to Jesus. So this is what a church is. A called out people from among society. From among living however they want. From, a lot, from among living the world system. The, the Bible says a church is a group of people that God called out and they came. And now they're no longer a part of that. And they are now dedicated unto the Lord. So now you're wondering what this is all about. How did the church get to where it is? Because Jesus Christ is building the church and he's saying, here's how the church is going to be. I'm going to take some people, call them out, and if they come, they're going to be dedicated unto me and no longer dedicated to how they were living. Uh-oh, we always get quiet. <laughs> because we want to live the way we want to live and still say we have Jesus. Don't get quiet on me. Just be honest with yourself. We can't live the way we want and say we have Jesus. We can't live the way we want and say we have Jesus. Because the Bible says the word church means a group of people that are called out, separated from everything else, and dedicated unto God. That's what the church is. So as much as you want to feel like you can just live your life, that's not how you're going to have a right relationship with God. Now, now, because God is all loving and God is all good, guess what? You will, you, 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 you will experience some, some God moments in your life. It don't mean you have a relationship with him. God is good. This is, when we say God is good, that's what we mean. You will have some God moments. Don't mean you're, you and God are in locked in steps and having a good relationship. And it takes being in locked in step and having a good relationship with God. That's what it takes in order to get to heaven. Because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Problems will come to the good and the bad. Goodness will come to the good and the bad. You know, you've been looking, you, you, you have known somebody, somebody in all your life. You've known somebody that you say, man, they live out of order. But it just seem like they always experience good stuff coming their way. And here I am over here. I'm trying my best to live a little decent life. And they look like they get better stuff than me. Yeah, you've looked around some at some point in your life and you've made that statement. You might not have said it out loud, but you've looked around and made that statement. And you're like, my goodness, why it seems like, you know, good things come their way and they just live terrible. I mean, look at how they live and they seem to escape every bad thing. Well, good things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. It's just the way it is. The difference is, if you're walking with God, when bad things happen to you, it won't matter. Uh-huh. But the people that's not working with God, walking with God, when bad things happen, it do matter. All right. Let me finish up here. So you're called out from among everybody else to stop doing your own thing and start doing the God thing. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the mess I like the message that because we don't like that part. We don't like that part that we are called out from among all of what everybody is doing to do what God wants us to do. Remember, we started out by saying 
Who's building the church? And he won't accept just anything. You want me to prove that to you now? Because I'm finishing up. Ephesians 5.25. You ready for this? Husbands! Love your wives. Mean each husband love his wife. It don't mean husband, you got a whole lot of wives, love all of them. No! Got to always check that, you know. We got to always check that. You know, we didn't have a big conversation about that before in this place. You know, we got Brother Ivan over there. We got Brother Chuby over there. We got to be careful with those guys because they think, you know, it's okay to have a whole lot of wives. I don't know. So we got to make sure we got to make sure we straighten that out. One husband, one wife. One husband, one wife. So the scripture is saying, husbands, love your wives. So a whole bunch of husbands and a whole bunch of wives, everybody connect with their own. So the scripture says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The Bible says, Jesus Christ gave his life for who? Did he say you? Yeah, I'm getting ready to mess you up now, so you got to think about this. He didn't say he gave his life for you. He said he gave his life for the church. Oh, gave his life for the church. Uh-huh. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by his word. He says he gave his life for the church, which means... I want a clean church. Ooh, we getting tight. Verse 27. That he might present it, talking about the church, to himself. You tell me how God going to be mixing with something unclean. I know you want to do what you want. I know you want to live how you want and just figure God is a good God. I can do this and there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to have to negotiate this right here he gave himself for the church he won a clean church and he made the church because he's going to present the church unto himself he's a holy god isn't he how is he gonna get with a church let's go that he might present it to himself a glorious church listen to this not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be We want to wonder, yeah, I don't know about them, them, them Pentecostal churches. They require too much from me. This will drop the mic right now. I need to just drop this mic and walk out the door and let y'all sit here. Y'all just keep discussed among yourselves. I'm serious. Because we struggle with all this stuff and I'm like, God is not coming back for one person. He's coming back for a church, a called out group of people that will be sanctified, that will be holy, that will be without blemish, and that will be glorious. He's coming back for a group of people, not one individual. Let's stand. Listen to this. The church is considered the bride of Christ. So just think about a husband marrying a woman, 
how all that is. Why do you think a bride get married in white? They didn't just come up with that. White mean pure. The church is supposed to be pure. Oh, oh, that's why we have to cleanse ourselves and be holy because God needs to be tight with us and he can't be tight with unholiness. It's not because he don't love you and want to bless you. It's because he's holy and he can't mess with anything unholy. You don't see movie stars messing with some of us local people. <laughs> you, you don't see, uh, you know, the big timers, you know, the rich people messing with us small timers. Nope. Everybody try to stay on their own level. And, and you parents, if your daughter or your son going to marry somebody and they marrying down, you got a problem with it. And and we don't even have stuff. <laughs> we don't have nothing, right? We don't have nothing. But we find our daughter married. No, 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 no. You can't mess with that boy. No, 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 no. Am I telling the truth? You can't mess with that boy. He's not on our level. Uh. So why Jesus going to get with no church? That's not on his level. Step back behind the pool. Listen to me. Matthew 24, verse 3 says this, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Are we hearing that now? See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Can I tell you a secret? Matthew 24 talks about the end time, but it's talking about two kind of end time. I'm not going to confuse you. Trust me, I'm holding back. Verse 1 through 8 is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ is considered the rapture of the church. It means one day the church will be caught up out of the earth. Yeah, sounds kind of crazy. I hear you. It sounded crazy when Noah was telling the people it was going to rain because it had never rained. Right? So he was telling, it's going to rain. It's gonna rain. Oh, Noah, get out of here, dude. It's not going to rain. Same thing is going on now. God is getting ready to come back for his church. Not one person, his church. And the way that's going to happen is everyone that have this spirit of Christ that's living right will be caught up out of this earth. Blow your mind real quick. We're going we're gonna to travel by the speed of thought from here to heaven. 
We need a glorious body to do that. So that's why the body will change and you will have a glorious body, the church, to slide up out of here and be in heaven with Christ. This is called the church age. We are in the church age right now. Once the church is raptured out of the world, then the tribulation time starts. And the Antichrist will be revealed, the one who's going to describe, disguise himself like he's somebody good, and eventually he's going to cause havoc on this world. The church is at, its, at her time where any day now Jesus can snatch her out of the earth. So I would advise you to become a part of the church as soon as you can. Not just assemble with the church, but become a part of the church. Be the church. God gave us seven dispensations how he did the world when he created. A dispensation is a certain period of time that God gives human beings, then he deals with them. He makes judgment. The first dispensation was innocence. We know how that ended. Adam and Eve, they sinned, so God had to judge them. What was the judgment? Get out of the garden. Second dispensation was conscience. People became conscious of sin. Adam and Eve sinned, so now they know sin. They didn't know sin before that. Then you had the next dispensation, third one, human government. The next one, promise. The next one, law. The one that we're living in now is called grace. Grace is called the church age. After grace is the millennium age. So we're teetering on millennium and grace. When Jesus came, they were teetering on law and grace. Then when Jesus ascended, grace started, church age. And now we're in the grace period. And God is being good to us, but we're taking it the wrong way. Grace means I'm going to give you more time than you really deserve. And so God has given us enough time, more than enough, to say, get your life right. Get in the church. Be the church. Start living right. And he's given us enough time, more than enough, for us to get that together. And then the day will come where he will just return and catch us all out of here. That was living right. That was doing right. Then after that, that's when the world will receive its havoc. The millennium age, the, 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 um, the, 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 the tribulation will start. And people will begin to experience what we call the Antichrist will begin to do stuff to this world. Then after the millennium, then finally, there will be a white throne judgment. And those that wasn't a part of the church, that never made it in as a part of the church, will be cast in the lake of fire. Not any of God's doing. Because we decided, I'm good God, I like my life the way it is. Not any of God's doing. All of our doing, because God loves us too much. He went through too much, which we will hear about on Thursday. He went through too much to, to reveal himself to you and me, so we one day wouldn't have to die in our sins. He went through too much. To ever encourage you or treat you any kind of way to let you go to a place he didn't create for you. Because he created that place for demons. Them that rebelled against him. That's who he created for. He didn't create it for me and you. But if we start doing like those demons, then he's, "Eh, all of you just go. And he's not doing it. We're choosing it. God is building a church.
I pray that somebody will make up their mind today to give their life to God. Listen, it doesn't change all at once. Baby, baby steps. Just start trying to seek after God. Pray and say, God, I heard all that stuff that preacher talked about. I don't want to get all of it, but I do feel that there's something going on. Can you help me to understand what's going on in my heart? Can you help me to understand more about what he has said? God, can you keep me from destruction because I know you love me, and it's not your will that I, I am overtaken by ungodliness or I am destroyed or something goes wrong. It's not your will that all those things happen to me, Lord. So I am just coming to you asking you to help me because I don't have the answers. And I want to be right with you. I want to be a part of your church. I want to be the church. I want to be that bride, part of that bride. And when you come back, I will be ready to meet you. All of these things you're just talking to God about. Don't worry about anybody else. Just you and God. Will you take a moment before we leave today, just a moment, I'm not going to keep you any longer, just a moment to talk to God seriously and sincerely because everything I just said today is all the word of God. It's true and you don't have to believe it. But if you don't believe it, you run the risk of if this is all true. What do I always say? If everything we've been talking about God is not true and when you die you realize it's not true, it would just... Guess what? You were just a good person because following God's word makes you a better person than if you would have just followed your way. So if everything you've been hearing about in church and even what I said today is not true, if you follow it, you will still be better off than if you didn't follow it. The, 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 the question is, what if everything I've been saying is true and you decide not to listen? Now that's the part that gets all of us. That we're hearing all of this and we're trying to determine what we think is legit and what's not legit. And I've learned a long time ago, I'm, I'm taking it all in. Everything is legit. I am embracing all of it and I'm not going to take any chances because guess what? I want to be right with God. I want to have right relationship with God. I want to make sure that me and God are in a good relationship and trinkets of blessing is not just coming my way. He's not just allowing some things to come my way because he blesses the good and those that are not good. I don't want that. I want a bona fide, real relationship. I want to love him and I want to love people. I want to do what is right. I want to make sure that me and the Almighty, the Creator, are on good terms. I don't want to just do what I want. Because I'm smart enough to know if I kept doing what I wanted, I would have just kept getting what I want. And after a while, if you're like me, if you live long enough, we'll all can testify. Young people, you probably, probably don't understand this. But if, if, if you're 40, 50 and up, you know that after a while, you just stop and say, what does this mean anyway? Everything is just the same old, same old. It's not even that serious anymore. And so we keep on going through the same thing, doing it. And it's, it's, not even any, it's not anything profitable anymore. Everything just seems to be the same. So I'm tired of that right there. I, I want to really and truly have a real relationship with God. And it's not going to come through God blessing me. It's going to come through me seeking answers from God. And when He reveal Himself and reveal His Word, that's when I'm going to start changing. Oh God, will you touch us individually today? We can only change by you revealing more of yourself. 
We will only change by you allowing us to understand you more, Lord God. Father, we may have convinced ourselves that if you would just do this for us, or you would just do that for us, then we will be different. But God, I've proven myself that you love us and you have protected and provided and you've done great things. And I still didn't change the way you expected me to change. So God, I'm not even worried about trying to get you to bless me or or trying to get blessings. I just want to know you more intimately. I just want to understand you more intimately. I just want to have a more deeper relationship with you. I, Lord God, want to understand things about you that I've never understood. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that none of us will walk out of here today.